says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what? Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting, exceptional, astounding episode of The Bible Says What. Uh, actually, as the countdown was going, I wasn't really sure if I was hosting or you, so I just like took the reins, man. Uh, I'm hosting today. I am Pastor John Gibson from Living Hope Church, and here is my esteemed colleague. Uh, you have way <laughs> too much energy. My name is Paul from uh, Columbus, Indiana. <laughs> my este- I called you esteemed. Isn't yeah, that cool? that, that's pretty much right. I, <laughs> <laughs> call. I, I can't wait for your esteemed comments today on our wonderful content that we're about to talk about. Oh, this is a, again, we just, we just did the hell episode. We've like, I feel like I'm walking on fiery coals <laughs> as we tackle some of these topics. And today is another one of those like, Oh gosh, I don't know what people will think or say, um, but it will be exciting. I'm sure many of you have wondered. Our topic today uh, is end times in orientation. We're going to talk about that fateful word rapture. What does it mean? What's it all about? And I don't know about you, Paul, but when I think of rapture for some reason, what comes to mind is Kirk Cameron and Nicolas Cage. Absolutely, yeah. They they are... Uh, the Rapture Twins, right? Yeah. So, uh, so what do Nicolas Cage and Kirk Cameron have in common, John Gibson? Well, they're both from Left Behind. Do we have any Left Behind lovers? Uh, and I don't mean the commentary version. I mean actually the fictional novels <laughs> of Left Behind. If you go to, I wonder. We should do this sometime. We should go like travel around to like ten different churches around us and ask to see their libraries and see how many of them hold the left behind series in the church library yeah i mean yeah if you go down to ours we we got all of them how about you yep ours too yeah left behinds in there they're everywhere what's and we so let me just let's be clear i read the books love the books super fun and entertaining but as a pastor what i have not loved is how and we do this as a culture right we read things whether they're true or not fiction or fact and we, we like let them form us uh, even more so for some reason in the church. We let these outside stories a lot of times form our theology. And I think this is a, a, an excellent case of how that has happened in our world, in our churches, that many people, uh, their, whole, their, their understanding of the end times and rapture and all those kind of things is not as much biblical as it is left behind series because it does a wonderful job of bringing, you know, our understanding of the end times to life. But is it true? Yeah. Well, I mean, you think back to the late great planet earth, uh, there has been, you know, novels, there's been, uh, movies, uh, thief in the night. I mean, you kind of like people getting saved because they're afraid to get, left behind there's there's just a pop culture thing man it is it's like all over in fact if you would ask most people in our church there probably isn't any other way they think about the future or end times except this story of a rapture uh pre-tribulation rapture uh the tribulation happens before the tribulation happens the church is taken out and gone to heaven and then hell in a handbasket takes place on earth and people who are left behind uh, go through, you know, go through the mess 
And aren't you thankful that your your uh, wish whiffs way up into heaven? I was just thinking that I'm like, man, I am so thankful I'm on the the good end of that whole scenario, right? Okay. Uh, but but then there's all these other like crazy things of like. Is the rapture pre-tribulation? Is it post-tribulation? All, all the people that were like rejoicing, oh, I'll be gone, a, a whisk away in dust. All of a sudden, this post-trib kind of start started having this conversation like, oh, dear God, I have to stand for my faith in the midst of all of this horrible thing. And all, you know, th- this tension of what's going to happen in the end. And will I be here for it? And should I be here for it? Should I want to be? Is it going to, I mean this whole conversation and it's so deeply ingrained in our understanding of salvation and end time events. I have, I mean, gosh, I have so many conversations with people and it's just law. Like it is yeah. hardcore. This is God will rapture the people. He will return someday judgment, all that, you know, stuff is going to happen. And that's just the way it is. So I was a youth pastor many moons ago and DC Talk, which was, I used to take the teens to these Christian music festivals, and DC Talk was huge back in the day, and they did a cover of Larry Norman's song, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. Mm. And I don't know if you ever heard that, John, but the oh, song yeah. is moving. And uh, I I was convinced uh, that that's like in every church's article of faith. This is the way everyone believes. Um and I found out much later that the church I was ordained in did not have a statement on uh, the rapture, nor does almost any church, Christian church, have a statement of article of faith in the rapture. Uh, so this is an example of something that is, is uh, popular, but not necessarily deeply orthodox. Ooh, did I just say that? I said it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm glad you're here to make all these statements. And then I just stand back and pause. Just let them hang out there. Pastor Paul DeZay, everybody. <laughs> Let's give it up for Pastor Paul DeZay. <laughs> yep, yep. They're, uh, somebody's going to call somebody. Uh, Pastor Paul DeZay. Special, <laughs> Sandy yeah. Hook, United Methodist Church. <laughs> There's going to be a special meeting, church council. Oh, There's going to be a, oh. a DS is going to be involved. And they're going to ship me back to the Nazarenes. Uh, right. and then they... <laughs> what will the Nazarenes do with you then? Uh, right? Yeah, oh, my well, gosh. anyway. <laughs> well, since our podcast is titled The Bible Says What, it seems only fitting for us to start with a little Bible. That I think that would be a good yeah. thing. Right. So let's look at just the inspiration for books, movies, and all of our, our you know visions of the end times. So we, we grabbed two today, and I'll, I'll read one, and then, uh, Pastor Paul, you can read the, the second one, the First Thessalonians one. So this is Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 41, the New Living Translation. Uh, And it says this, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the son himself, capital S, son, only the father knows. And when the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. I wish we'd all been ready. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this is a great passage, and this is the inspiration of that song. 
I wish we'd all been ready by Larry Norman covered by DC talk as two people are in the field and uh, one is taken away in the rapture and one is left behind. Right. So uh, that's what the passage says, right? No, no, it doesn't. So here let's, let's take a look at what the passage says. So as in the days of Noah, right, people were enjoying banquets, they were partying and doing all kinds of fun stuff. Noah entered the boat and people didn't realize what was going to happen. And then a flood came and swept them all away. So what happened to the people that were taken away? They were taken away. Go ahead, John. They died. They died. They were taken (laughs) away. They were swept away by the waters, right? So judgment was being taken away, being swept away. So this passage says is that those that are swept away are swept away in judgment. Those that are taken are taken in judgment. So in this case... They're not raptured. Right. You would want to be left behind. (laughs) That's the thing. You want to be... I'm going to write a new book series. (laughs) I want to be left behind. That's right. Left behind. (laughs) Well, Another and, version, yeah, part and, deux. <laughs> and I hate to I hate to tell you this. There's already a book out there called. Oh, <laughs> I haven't read it yet, but I have it. Uh, oh. But so you so you want to be left behind in this end. The those that are taken away, those are swept away by the waters, are judged. And so in this case, two men were working in the field. One will be taken by judgment, and the other one left. So the passage that Jesus is quoting here does not mean a rapture. It right. does not mean rapture. Now we apologize for those of you who are listening today and your brains have just exploded. <laughs> Where maybe for you your whole under like theological foundation of the end times is all of a sudden you're feeling a little trembling because and it's not really our fault. It's it's the Bible says this, right? But we want to draw your attention because so easily we're influenced by other things but when we return to the scriptures and look at them for what they are and what they say, um, it maybe presents a view of this end times thing that may be different than what you have experienced. So we are sorry, but we also say you'll thank us later. You will thank us later. Uh, if if uh, you start deconstruction because of this podcast, uh, let us know. We'll help you through it. Uh, yes. it's, it's, it's hard. And I remember when I was taught this uh, correctly. And it blew my mind for all these years. I sang the song for all these years. I read the books and it, this passage that inspired so much doesn't mean what I thought it meant. And then once you see Noah and see the judgment, see all that, it just makes complete sense. My hope is that you have an enlightenment as I did years ago. And uh, this helps you understand that at least this passage doesn't speak of a rapture, but there are other passages. In fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17 is the go-to passage for people who want to uh, speak about a rapture. And by the way, rapture does not, that word rapture is not in the Bible. All right. So let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Wait, hold on a second. Say that one more time, just so we're clear for our audience. From the lips of Pastor Paul to say, <laughs> the, the, word rapture, the word rapture is not in the Bible. It is not in the Bible. Good. Wonderful. Yeah. On we go. Paul says this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, Then, together with them who are still alive and remain on the earth, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Sounds like a rapture, doesn't it? 
It sure does. This meeting, you know, of God and those who are serving him. Um, it, it, it also is reminiscent of uh, transfiguration, uh, right? When Jesus goes Absolutely. up into the clouds, very symbolic of Jesus reuniting with God in heaven. Um, maybe this is this image of this reunification of God and his people together. Um, interesting passage, though, but it, and it's not surprising where we get some of our views and the images of this, you know, the people of God floating into the heavens to meet him in the air. Absolutely. Well, and you think about it. Okay, so the context of this passage is in the days of Jesus when a ruler, a king, um, somebody would come to your town. You would go outside the town and welcome them and escort them into your town. And so that's what this passage is talking about is uh, those who are alive when Jesus comes back will go up in the air and escort Jesus to the earth for his second coming. And mm. so this passage is about a kingly escort, which would have made a lot of sense in the days of Paul with, you know, the, <clears throat> the Roman governors, the, the Caesars, and they were used to that kind of pattern. And so uh, unfortunately, because without the historical context here, what we make it out to be is that we're whisked up in the air, right? And then we go up to heaven. But this passage is about the second coming, about Jesus coming to earth to make all things new. If you happen to be alive at that time, you will go with Jesus and welcome him and escort him into the city. And for ancient peoples, we have to remember, too, that their idea of this second coming or the kingdom of God being established on the earth was still a physical reality that they were hoping for and placing their hope in. This is a modern kind of construct of this kingdom in the heavens, earth being destroyed sort of thing. For for ancient peoples, it, it, it was Jesus returning to finish what he started and establish the kingdom of God on the earth, to make all things new on the earth, yes. to restore the world as it was. You know, this wasn't the a, a, a duck and cover hide away until God takes us away someday sort of thing, but it was a physical reality in the here and now. And I think that's uh, profoundly important for us as modern readers, as we enter into not place our our cultural constructs on this ancient text, we have to enter into the ancient text and see it with their eyes and with their understandings of what was God meaning to do here in the future. You got it. I mean, that's right. That's right on. So this passage uh, is about the coming of the king, and it would have made a lot of sense to them. It just doesn't make any sense to us. So if you read it plainly without doing any background work on it, it seems to mean that we go up into heaven when we die, uh, or when if those that are still alive are raptured up into heaven while hell comes on earth. Um, Paul never said that, and Paul never thought about it. So the question then comes, John Gibson, is uh, where did this rapture theology come from? Where is its origin? And uh, I think this is an enlightening realization here. Yeah. So we we so some little tidbits, right? The rapture theology uh, that we embrace today as Western uh, modern Americans started about 200 years ago and was prompted through the Schofield Reference Bible and then other books kind of coming from that. So these it's a pretty profound thing to think about that the early church didn't believe in rapture. We don't have any recorded history of people thinking this way until recently. 
And this theory is only held in America. The rest of Christian scholars look at us and say, really? <laughs> it's an interest, but, but we don't think that way because in our worlds, especially in our modern Western mindsets of uh, the, what we think of the world, and you see this not even just with faith, but what we think of things is the way they are. Yes, absolutely. Period. But, yes. So this particular doctrine, this rapture theology is new. It is 200 years. It is very much in its baby stage. And so anything that ex uh, didn't exist during the first 1800 years of the church needs to be a question mark for us. The early church didn't believe it. It wasn't part of the creeds that make us what we are, the, the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed, which is the definition of what is Protestant, what is Christianity, I, I should say. Uh, then we have to really go, is that what was meant? So, yeah, this is a new doctrine that is really just something that we believe here. And and let's just pause for a second for all of you right now who are thinking, heathens! <laughs> like you're preparing the stones to throw at Pastor Paul and me as I duck behind Pastor Paul. <laughs> let's just be clear. What we're, what we're saying here is that rapture theology or the understanding of rapture as a part of the end times uh, story and um, the end times plan that God has for the world, the, the, the part of that we understand as rapture is what we're talking about here. Not the whole thing, right? We're not throwing the everything out the window. What we're saying is that rapture theology started. It's, it's a relatively new understanding. 200 years ago it was formed. And we see the influence of pop culture here on the church, of what we believe. But we we do believe in the second coming. I just want to clarify that. What we're talking about here is this idea of God taking believers off the earth, rapturing them up before some kind of judgment happens, basically saving them from all of the wrath and fire and hell and brimstone and all that kind of thing. Even in our statement of belief, we, we say that we believe that our Lord will return, the dead will be raised, and the final judgment will take place as Protestant followers of Jesus. That is a part of what we believe God is doing. The The part we're talking about today is specifically this rapture piece and how it shapes really what we believe about what God is doing with the world as it is. Yes. Right? Yeah, so we believe in the second coming of Jesus, and when he comes back, he will make all things new. He's going to restore all things. Wait, he's and not so, going to blow up the earth? No, no, no. He's going to fix oh, the planet. crap. With the same with the same love that he's fixing you, Pastor John, he's going to fix the planet. He's going to fix right. his creation, and and uh, the creation itself is groaning, as it says in Romans. It's groaning. Creation itself is groaning, awaiting for the coming of Christ. And uh, God's not going to blow up the world. God's going to redeem and restore the world. So I guess I guess see, we we hold an optimistic view of the end times. God's going to make all things new. He promises that in Revelation 21 and 22. I love that. I hear I hear those words and see them in my mind. Behold, I have come to make all things new. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful promise. And and at what point have we hijacked that promise, for, you know, and and have this bleak understanding of, and I, I, I hear this all the time with followers of Jesus, and my heart just hurts 
and is a little frustrated because we believe that if, if God's rapturing us and taking us away, saving us from some horrible outcome that the earth is going to experience, then our view of what is happening with the world as it is changes, where we think, well, if God's taking us out of here then, and he's blowing this place up, then I have, I have no stake in it. You know, I, like my part doesn't matter. And it leads to what I call hunker down theology, right? If God's, I'm just waiting, biding my time for him to get me out of here because what's going on in the world now doesn't matter. And it forms people's understandings of even the current uh, state of affairs and everything happening in the world. We have a very bleak outlook, right? Because if God's going to blow it up, then the world then is moving towards destruction anyway, and everything's getting worse. And all of a sudden, that's what fills our view. And we lose our ability to see potential in people. We lose our ability to see potential in the world and the planet. And and I, I feel like it starts to lead us to this place where we start to concede and wave the white flag and give the world over to the enemy. And Hope that God will some well. Our hope is that God's going to give us a new world. Well, yeah, but but God won, <laughs> right? I mean, I, yes. that's what I read in the Bible. God won. So when He says I make all, I'm making all things new, He means it. Yes, yeah, and so we can be hopeful. We can be encouraged, and we can partner with God in the restoration of all things. We can help His kingdom come wherever we're at, on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, that is the journey of the Christian is to bear fruit and to to multiply. And as we do so, God's kingdom expands and things are made new, starting with the people who become followers of the king. And uh, marriages are transformed, uh, neighborhoods are transformed, cities are transformed. Uh, as God's kingdom expands, um, and so we're we're partners. We're 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 partners with the King. I, I love that, you know. And I've had this little theological uh, meandering happening in my mind. I want to share with you today, Paul, and just kind of see what you thought about it. Because when I when I look at the the grand narrative of Scripture and what God is up to, right? So we have Eden and perfection in relationship. We have sin that kind of breaks that perfection and, and distorts the, the created peoples. This journey of Israel, Jesus enters in, and in my mind, I, I oftentimes see this, the arc of Scripture as like a circle, right? So we start in Eden, brokenness. Jesus comes, and it's like that pivot point where the people of God, humanity, starts to return back to Eden, back to restored relationship. And if we're moving on that trajectory, I've been thinking about this a lot, that when Jesus came, he says, behold, I'm making all things new, right? He started transforming people. Then he died and rose again, defeated death, all those good things. But then he left and he sent his spirit into the world to abide with his disciples, me and you, people of God now 2,000 years later, for a purpose. And I've oftentimes thought about this. If Jesus came send a spirit and he's coming back someday. And if our part matters because the spirit is in us, could we could we possibly have a part to play to usher in this end completion making all things new, Jesus returns thing? Could we make it happen sooner? Well, like yes. think about that. If your part yeah. really matters, right? And God desires that none should perish. 
is it, is it taking longer because of God's patience and the church not doing its deal? And if that's the case, could we usher in the, this all things new thing faster? I think that's an intriguing line of thought. What do you think about that? Well, um, I, I agree with you completely. There's a passage I'm not really remembering where it's at. It's talking about hastening the day of the Lord's coming, right? So there is a way as we partner with God to usher him in, usher the king in by our participation in his kingdom work. So yes, that's possible. Now, I want to say the other side too. Uh, it, you know, we always, it, what we're saying here is that Jesus will come back and make all things new. That doesn't mean that things are going to keep getting better and better and better. Things could go downhill. There could be hell on earth. But here I want to caveat this is that if the church, if we as Christ followers who are called to partner, choose not to, if we choose not to uh, love and instead we commit violence, if we choose and use the freedom and the power that God gives us to go against the call of God, to go against the way of Jesus, then we really can destroy this planet. And so there is a responsibility in this that we are participants in the way of Christ to usher in the the king. Does that make sense, John? It's, it's, a, such super, a, tr- it's a big responsibility. Yeah, it's scary too. Yes. The reality that not only can we work to make things new, but we can also, well, in the words of Scripture, become like Antichrist and work against the flow of the Spirit of God in the world. You know, mm-hmm. and we could talk about that another day on another episode. Antichrist, that'd be a great topic of conversation. But, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about Antichrist in the world. Anybody who, I mean, Jesus even called Peter the devil, right? Because he, he was moving against the flow of the Spirit of God in the world. So we couldn't, can we negatively impact the world? Absolutely. And that should, and I think sometimes that's probably why we tend to lean towards some of these other thinkings of end times and the rapture and those kind of things is because they kind of give us a a way out, don't they? It's just like escapism. Yeah, it's a cop out. Because if I'm just waiting for God to come back and do his thing, then, and I have no part to play in that sucker then my only, like, uh, there's no responsibility. So I'm, it's easy, isn't it? Just to, mm-hmm. Isn't it easy to say, ah, like duck and cover and wait till God comes? It's much less, is that, can I say that? It's much less, much less easy. <laughs> it's much harder to claim responsibility and participate in what God is doing in the world because it means what you do and what you don't do matters. That's right. Good news, people of God. <laughs> it is. It is heavy responsibility, but we have a promise that God is going to make all things new. And so we believe that he's going to do so, but it doesn't allow us to lay down our responsibility. We are partners in this. And so bear fruit, brothers and sisters, yes. bear fruit. And the other good news is, and let's just add this as a little tack on the end, that that the responsibility is ours to bear in that we are vessels of the spirit of God. Right. right? So my responsibility to make all things new in the world is not inherently a contingent upon my ability to do that within my own power. Right. But as a filled with the spirit follower of Jesus, with his power residing in me, 
it can then work through me into the world. So the good news is that it's not up to you really at the end of the day. It's, <laughs> it is, but it isn't, right? It's us. It's up to us to recognize that God working through us as a vessel, we have a part to play in that. But it is his power in us that brings that kingdom of God to bear. So it's kind of a both and. That's another interesting it, thing it is. to well, think about. It's, yeah, it's it's not either or. There really isn't both and, and and that yeah. comes to be the the story of all things, isn't it? It's not an either or. It's it's really somewhere else. It's a both and. It's a third way, as I like to say. And yeah. so, yeah, this has been good. It's been a great conversation. And you know, I think you know one of the things that uh, we want to clarify as we talk about end times is that we don't have it all figured out. So don't don't think of us as experts on this. We're just on our journey. And we're studying just like you all are. And this is where we are in our journey of understanding eschatology, the study of last things. Is that a rapture? You can believe it. All That's great. If, if Anyone can believe what they want to believe by end times. But I don't know if it has the, the, the uh, what's the word, the backing of scripture as a solid doctrine like a lot of the orthodox doctrines do. So here, yeah. leave it there. And that's true for all of these conversations we've had over the, these starting episodes. We're so grateful. Uh, we were just talking about uh, before we started today that we have reached a thousand um, downloads from our podcast and only what about eight or nine episodes. And we are so grateful uh, for all of you who have taken the time out of your busy days and trusted us enough to enter into some hard conversations. And really it's, it's kind of our heartbeat as pastors is to journey with people who don't really want or have all the clear-cut answers, but recognize that, that the deepest parts of fulfillment in faith is wrestling you know, with one another, with God, to get to a place where we know him more deeply. And maybe not know all the answers, but we know him more deeply. So thank you, everyone who's listened so far. Um, we're kind of moving towards wrapping up this, this actually, this is our final episode of season one, Pastor Paul. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, we've got good news. Uh, our podcast has been renewed for season two. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who, who does that renewing? <laughs> I think we did. <laughs> we won't tell you. Our producers. That's right. <laughs> no, we have no producers. Our sponsors. <laughs> If you would like to sponsor the Bible says yeah, what yeah, podcast, yeah. you just let us know. We're <laughs> so oh, we're going to wrap up season one with this episode on the rapture. And then we're going to start season two uh, sometime in the near future. And we're going to be starting with a series on the Lord's Prayer, which for John and I is one of the, the places in the Bible that we've learned so much and we want to share with you as we also are asking for questions. So when we finish the, the Lord's Prayer series on the Bible Says What, we'll be uh, answering your questions like we have done in season one. So in the show notes of this episode and the ones following for the Lord's Prayer, we will put a link uh, down there in, the, in uh, all your podcasting places where you can click on and submit questions uh, to us. We'd love to hear uh, your input and we'd love to uh, highlight one of your questions uh, on future episodes of The Bible Says What. So give them to us. If you attend Sandy Hook Church, you can probably even give your questions straight to Pastor Paul. Uh, if you're a Living a Hope, you can give them straight to me. And if you're one of our new uh, found friends from our uh, podcasting journey, we'd love for you to email. You can click again the link the email link below and the show notes for this episode and future ones. And 
again, we're just grateful for all of you thousand people. I don't know if that's a thousand people or did you, did you download one episode a thousand times? Paul? Yeah. Yeah. I, I created You're padding a bot. our numbers. I created a bot <laughs> that has downloaded our episode a thousand times. Oh my hey, God. Real quick, real quick. Can we get a Bible says what t-shirt made? Oh, absolutely. Can we, we that will be really cool with our faces that. At that, and then we can walk around with it and people go, what? <laughs> The Bible says what? Exactly. Right. I don't. So you want me to wear a t-shirt with your face on it? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe (laughs) I would. I'm not saying I I wouldn't. Yeah, I know. I just, I I, I wanted to like process that. Like maybe it doesn't need to have our faces on it. Maybe it needs to have cartoon characters or. Who knows yes. what? Or coffee mugs. We need we need a fan site. There is what you we need. go. We need okay, to- that will be in in future episodes. You will hear more about this. We will have a a fan site uh, website coming up where you can submit questions. Buy Bible says what swag? I think that's <laughs> what it's officially called. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe we will uh, start to generate some revenue in the future Bo- here. Bobbleheads. <laughs> bobbleheads. Oh, bobble- oh, bobbleheads. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes, that is the best bobble- idea if you've ever had. I know, of I know. Pastor Paul and Pastor John bobbleheads from the Bible. So that's going to happen, everybody. Let's make it so. T-shirts, bobbleheads. Looking forward to it. It's gonna happen. Oh my gosh! Now he's out of control. (laughs) He's completely out of control. Everybody. Well, again, we're thankful for the time you've given for this episode and uh, past and future ones. We would love it if you would share uh, with friends and family and naysayers and doubters and all kinds of people in your life. We'd love for you to share and invite folks into the conversation on the Bible says what has been another interesting conversation, Pastor Paul. I'm so glad uh, that we took the time that you took the time to listen today on this wonderful episode of the Bible says what we hope that it has tickled your brains and stirred your soul. And most of all, connected you more deeply to Jesus, because that's really the whole point. And we look forward to the next conversations on the Lord's prayer. Can't wait. It's going to be some kind of interesting. I am Pastor John. And I'm Pastor Paul. And we will see you next time. Grace and peace. The Bible says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what?